Welcome to the Conscious Leadership Podcast, where soulful entrepreneurship and holistic mind-body wellness meet to help you heal, discover your soul's purpose, and change the world. I'm your host, Gabby Ortega, entrepreneur, psychology expert, social media maven, and soulful leadership coach. And it's my mission to empower you into becoming the light leader you're meant to be. Each episode will be diving deep into topics that will help you gain personal mastery over your healing and mind-body wellness, while also giving you practical tips and tools to help you create, market, and scale a heart-centered business around your soul's purpose and life mission. Whether you're in the beginning of your self-awakening journey or a seasoned inner work god or goddess who's ready to step into their leadership as a soulpreneur, this is going to be your new favorite place to be. We know that you don't just want to feel happier and more fulfilled, but you want to deeply know yourself and powerfully step into your life's purpose while creating massive abundance around your mission. That's why I've created this podcast for you, the light leader of the next generation. Welcome home. I'm so glad you're here. Hi guys, welcome back to the Conscious Leadership Podcast. I am your host, Gabby, and I am so excited. Today we have Adrienne Ellison. She is someone who I connected with over on Instagram through our mutual friend, Amanda Bucci, and she is a content creator and relationship coach. She uh, coaches on relationship with self and others, and she talks a lot about self-healing, alternative therapies, and mindfulness, and she helps her clients really dive deeply into their internal world so they can create an external world that reflects their true nature of abundance and love and joy. And she's just overall like a badass human being. So I'm just really, really excited to have you here. So thank you so much for joining us. Thank you. I'm really excited to be here. It feels very fitting that it's called the Conscious Leadership because I have been working so hard on my leadership this year and that being the next kind of layer that I'm unfolding and, and allowing that to be the next mirror for me. So I'm really grateful to be here. I love that. And I'm so, so huge on all of us who are in the space of, you know, teaching people how to self-heal and and teaching these concepts of self-actualization to be doing the same kind of inner work and to always be uh, ourselves really standing in our integrity, doing this kind of um, internal deep diving and and healing and mending all the time. That's so awesome. Um, so I, I think really, one of the greatest compliments yeah. you can give somebody like us in this space is just a compliment of, that we are in an embodiment rather than like, you're the smartest healer or the most knowledgeable healer or, you know, the most unique healer. It's like, there's everyone is a healer, but like somebody who's like a walking embodiment of the practices that they're teaching, like that is really the essence that people I feel like are looking for that feels really safe. Yeah, yes, absolutely. And you can totally tell like who is embodying what they're teaching and who isn't. I think it's really, I think people think they can get away with more than they can. And that, you know, people won't notice or pick up on the energy. But I think immediately, as soon as I started really embodying what I was teaching, and this was like, maybe a year and a half, two years ago, where I really just was like, that's it. I'm all in, full in. Um, that's when I saw so much growth and so much change in my own life, in- internally and externally. Yeah. I don't think that people really know that, like, I really truly believe that people are not just like absolute shit for the most part. I really believe that most people have no idea that they are walking in like hypocrisy, that they're not walking in integrity. Because for me, 
Like I, I believe that integrity is something that can only be looked at in the light. It's not something that people can have when they don't know what they don't know what they don't know. And so like when you're looking at shadows, the less shadow work that somebody's done, the less integrity that they have. And that's not like a judgment. That's just a, you can't have integrity for something that you're unaware of. And so when people are like not a walking embodiment and they're just teaching, teaching, most of who they're teaching is themselves. Like they're putting that information out there. And it's like, mostly these are like external processors, right? These are people who are like extroverted and they like to process outwardly and like they want people to hear them and they need to hear their own voice. I'm that way. And super early on in my journey, I do remember, especially when I was in the fitness industry, like I had all the knowledge and all the preaching and all of the, you know, information, but I wasn't a, a walking embodiment of it until I really like started my own healing journey and was able to be honest with myself. So I feel like people's ability to like walk in integrity is equal to their ability to like really look at the truth of themselves, you know? Mm, yeah, absolutely. And that, you know, so much of us are programmed and conditioned to not look that it's like, it, I definitely was very unconscious for a really long time acting out and doing things out of pain or past wounding and I'd be just being totally unaware. And now that I'm, I've kind of woken up in such a major way in the last, like, I would say five years or so, it's like, wow, like what a different way of experiencing life. Mm hmm yeah, I mean, it's ugly to look at those pieces of yourself. It's really uncomfortable. Um, because, you know, it's like funny because I, I have so many clients at this point that I've heard that are just like, I just, if I just, why do I have to have this wounding? Or like, why does it have to show up this way, you know? And they're so like disgusted with their shadow that they'd be willing to trade shadows with anybody. And it's kind of like, it's like autoimmune symptoms, right? It's like, why does this have to be my symptom? I'd rather it be this symptom. And it's, it's always, you're always going to want something when you, something different. Like when I was a kid, I was so loud and aggressive and I just used to pray to God that he would make me like soft and quiet. <laughs> Whereas like, I have, child. <laughs> yeah, like I have clients now who are just like, I would give anything to be able to, to feel safe to use my voice, you know, like you do, or like even Amanda was like the thing that I, that I appreciate about you the most is like, you're just ability to express so directly like that's something that I want to do is just be more fluid in my in my own like unique expression so yeah it's a it's a dance oh my god I love that so <laughs> I let me backtrack real quick so for people who don't know you um I would love for you to just like if you could tell us a little bit about yourself your journey like why you're here doing what you're doing yeah I grew up in a really small town. I've talked about this a lot on podcasts, just uh, your typical West Texas, very conservative um, German Catholic community, very religious, very suppressed, um, very racist. And I was a troublemaker. I just wanted to wreak havoc all over the place. I was also adopted, so um, I just didn't really fit in. You know, I looked different than the other kids who were all related pretty much. And um, I acted different than the other girls. And I, I grew up with parents that were a lot more loose on kind of the really conventional laws that everybody else's families followed. And so we went to a different church and we hung out with people of color and it was really difficult because a lot of the people that I grew up with didn't agree with that. And so my, you know, adversity growing up early on was, was less about, um, you know, like directly and kind of just like secondhand from making decisions to spend time with people that my community didn't really agree with. Um, my, my dad was my best friend. Um, my mom and I, we really butted heads. And I think that just came from like, my abandonment wound that I had from being given up for adoption and then perceiving that I was a burden to my new mom. And, uh, but my dad and I were thick as thieves and 
he had a tremendous amount of trauma um, and he just kind of worked all the time to work, like just work, 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 work. And so I grew up learning that in order to like be successful, like you have to break literally one summer. I remember him breaking his back from working so many hours, like physically um, having a, you know, a, a break in, in one of his spine. Um, and that was like my story growing up was like, you have to break your back in order to make it. And even then it might not be enough. And uh, I was such a troublemaker that at some point it was kind of like they, they asked if, if we would, if we would leave the school, if I would go to a different school. And so it had to split my parents up um, and they never got divorced. They were together for 40 years, but it was very, very hard on my family because I had to go to school 90 miles away. And when I got to that school, it was very much like I running from my shadows. Like I don't want to address anything that happened uh, right before I left. I was actually sexually assaulted by a group of boys at a party and I was only 14. Mm. So that was really traumatic, but I never spoke about it, never unpacked it. I didn't have a therapist, you know, anything like that. So it was just kind of like new school, new me kind of attitude. Um, and I never had attention like I had at this new school. I remember my very first day even touring the school, which is likely what made me choose the school was I showed up and there was a bunch of like senior boys walking around and you know within a matter of hours there was already like this new six foot tall girl she's at school varsity basketball all these things and like half the things they were saying weren't even true it was just like oh my gosh people are talking about me in a way that's like in a positive mm -hmm. and rather than in this like toxic way that I had I had seen and, and felt rejection before and so then started kind of like my my ran rampage to like get attention. And, um, I had a high school sweetheart for four and a half years that, uh, was my best friend, but I, you know, I cheated on him and I was, um, I was, I was really toxic. Um, I just very controlling. Uh, my parents didn't have good boundaries with me. My dad was kind of just very avoidant. He just wanted to, he just wanted me to be happy and a happy kid. And he wanted to be perceived as a good dad. And my mom was very much just like exhausted by me. And so, um, I very much grew up as like, if you look at, if you do like the boundary work with Henry Cloud, it's like, I'm very much the controller. Like mm -hmm. I don't respond well to the word. No, I don't, didn't even know what that meant growing up. I broke out of my house all the time, snuck out when I got grounded. I just left anyways. Like, you know, I was that kid. Um, I went to jail a couple times, like really early on 13, uh, 15, I got arrested again and then 19. And so really just kind of looking for trouble, looking for something to do to entertain, you know, the vastness of my mind and my high emotional intelligence, but my, my wounding and how it showed up and my insecurities. And so, um, when I got into college for like all of a hot nine hours, you know, I realized very quickly that the classroom space was not for me. I was just going to go out in the world and make my way. So I was bartending, I was serving, just doing the whole industry, you know, service industry dance. That's also very toxic and, um, yeah, late nights. Yeah, totally. <laughs> do it for you know just a little bit so that you know um, it's a it's a necessary trauma. But yeah, so I did that, and um, I you know my kind of my life was kind of going in this direction of just like super unconscious. Like I was going to be a restaurant manager or start my own restaurant. I had no idea who I was or what I was about or why I was doing it, but it was really comfortable, and I had this persona that I had created the way that I thought the world saw me and the people around me saw me, and I need to keep that and hold it tight. And it really had everything to do with things, right? Like I was 21, I had a $90,000 car that I couldn't afford. And, um, and then, you know, this whole life builds up. There's times I was sexually assaulted again when I was 21 uh, by an NFL player, which was really traumatic because that was a hard mirror for me to see how much I was willing to compromise hanging out with people who were good for me for, you know, the status. And um, 
And that's still a really hard mirror for me. When I see that in other people, I feel a lot of rejection towards that um, because that's just such a part that when, because I wasn't able to heal that part of me early on, it caused so much pain um, and it caused pain for, for other people as well. So when it all kind of broke and just like everything came to a head was when I was 23 years old, I got a call. My dad had been sick for a while. He had had uh, like renal failure and then he had cancer and they were trying to figure out why he had all of it. And, um, and then there was just kind of the, the straw that broke the camel's back. He got meningitis and it just took him out. And I got a call one day that I needed to come home. And within 10 days he was, he was gone. Oh, and wow. yeah, it was just, you know, a complete and total stop for someone who was living life full forward for the future, super anxious. What's the next thing? Got to do the next thing. Got to do the next thing. And then all of a sudden you're just dropped into a world that looks the same as it looked before, but it doesn't feel anything like what it felt like before. Mm. And yeah, it was such a intense experience uh, because all my wounding, the way that it shows up, you know, in that moment was like the rescuer, the person who has it all under control, the person who uh, can like figure it out and has all the things. And I remember like doing that dance with my family and like being the person at the funeral that was like totally fine. And, and just feeling like also like such an unconventional person, like, like, I don't, you know, I don't, I don't even want a funeral for myself or a wedding for myself. And I'm just kind of walking around and just, um, this is really where my ego always has its work is like, looking at the way other people do things and being like, oh, this is so unnecessary, but if people want it, you know, whatever. And just not really like understanding my place in, in any of it or my voice in any of it. And so I always had the ability to like really speak up, but I never was speaking up with my truth. And after that moment, it was like, but why the fuck not? You know what I mean? People die, they leave you. And it was like this very depressing thing. God isn't even real, you know? So it became this whole attitude of like, what does it even matter? And, um, and that was destructive for a couple of years. I ended up in a relationship with a guy that I didn't even really like. Uh, we had nothing in common, but he flew me all over the world and we had a lot of fun together and we drank a lot of wine and went to really nice restaurants. And then I just found myself like, you know, 30 pounds overweight, the heaviest I had ever been binge eating, uh, like brownies, you know, late at night, multiple times a week. I uh, couldn't get out of bed in the morning people would ask me like, how are you? And I'd be like, oh, I'm just so busy. And the truth was, is like, I got out of bed at 3 p.m. I went to work at 4 p.m. And then mm -hmm. I did it all over again. And it was, it was super, it was just really hard. Um, that's when I met my, my ex-boyfriend, uh, Tommy, who's one of my best friends. And he was living in Salt Lake City, Utah. And I remember like at no other point in my life would I have ever moved to the state of Utah. But when your life is just absolute shit, and you don't feel like you have anything <laughs> worth living for, you're like, fuck it, I'll move to Utah. I know that feeling that's kind of like been there too. It's like, well, it couldn't get any worse, so you might as well just see what else is out there. Yeah, and I mean, I truly, truly believe that you cannot grow up and evolve until you leave your hometown for sure. Mm. And Dallas wasn't my hometown when I was living there, but Texas as a whole. Like, I needed to leave, you know, home and... um find out what, what else is out in the world, you know? And Utah was not that different. It was, it's very religious. It's also, you know, mostly white people and, and kind of small townish. But um, I moved there and I just remember being like, still kind of that fuck it attitude. You know, I was with this new hot guy, which was great. And right when we merged, it was like, oh, we're in love. This is awesome. And then all of a sudden he was looking at me and I was looking at him and I was like, wait a second, you're not what I thought you were. And he's like, you're not what you said you were. And 
but we had, I had already moved there. And so we did that dance for three years and we had a toxic and then we had a beautiful relationship and he's, you know, one of the loves of my life. We, it, it was, it was so good. We, we did our healing together and like rebuilt our lives together. And, uh, you know, he's about to have a baby now and we're like, we're, we still feel like we're soulmates. We just don't feel like we're soulmates in that way. You know, we want different things for ourselves. And so, That's yeah, so that was, he was one of the hardest mirrors for me. You know, he, he saw things in me. He had a very strong mother. And so he knew my personality and he would always tell me like, Adrian, like all the things you say you are, like, those are masks. Like you don't even know who you are. And he would say that to me all the time and I would get fucking pissed. I'd be like, <laughs> what do you mean? You know? And, uh, and then over time, you know, it's like, even when you're hearing things you don't want to hear, like you still hear them. And, um, and he was always so graceful. I mean, not always, but he was mostly so graceful, very (laughs) very kind, um, very avoidant, but all the things. And yeah, we just, we, we really just kind of created our own rules and, you know, living in Utah, we didn't, you know, for the, for a year, it was like, we didn't tell anybody what we were doing. We opened our relationship and I was flying all over the country. I had lovers over here and, he was, you know, kind of holding down the fort with our business and not telling anybody that, that we were doing psychedelics. And, you know, it was like, we were trying to like grow and heal, but we were like, nobody around us can know. Um, and he, he held on to that for longer than I did. And I think he's, he's still kind of like coming out of it. He still talks about it, but he's definitely not talking about it to, to his client base. Um, but yeah, and I, I, just rem- I just remember the day that it was like, I was actually supposed to record a podcast, which is weird. I'm recording it later today that I've been trying to record for two years with what? one of my best friends named Eric Godsey, and he's fantastic. And the day that I was supposed to record with him for the third time, I walked upstairs and I was like, Tommy, I'm about to record a podcast with Godsey. He's like, great, what's it going to be on? And I was like, well, it's called The Myths That Make Us. So it's all about the lies that you tell yourself and things that you believe in, like how the stories impact your life. He's like, great, well, just don't talk about anything that affects me. And I was like, that's everything. And I went downstairs and I got on the podcast and I told him I can't record this podcast. And I just cried on the phone with him for an hour. And right after that moment, I was like, you might not be ready, but I'm so fucking ready. Mm. And shortly after that, I joined my first mastermind group, which was the Aubrey Marcus Fit for Service Mastermind. And it was gnarly. It was a year <laughs> of people who were so sick of their shit and ready for something, you know, really impactful and in very unconventional ways. You know, this is a group of people who is looking at things like open relationship and psychedelics as medicines and how do you really open your psyche and your mind and and the places that the creepy dark corners that nobody else really wants to talk about um and really meet the devil and face the devil and uh, so I spent a year doing that and it really I mean it just sounds like such a relaxing year (laughs) no no that's pretty much the you know the whole story I grew so much in that space and I really found and met myself and I met many versions of myself. And, um, I, you know, I think what was even more impactful than that was letting other people meet all those versions of myself Mm. and really healing the parts of us that we believe are so abandoned, abandonable or so rejectable or so like, you know, whatever it is. And, um, I uncovered deep layers of my wounding and deep layers of my subconscious belief systems. And in that space, um, you know, I had a small pack of people that I had created that no matter what I showed them, it only made them love me more. And that really changed the way that I saw community and the way that I wanted to show up for other people and the way that I understood people. And so there, you know, I was already coaching me and my ex, we had a business. I was coaching a lot of nutrition clients and uh, we were, we had, it's a very 
beautiful, successful business that he still has. And I just, I just turned coaching from nutrition over to coaching for, you know, self-healing and relationships. And um, it just, and then starting my own mastermind group, which is the self-healers mastermind, which is, I feel like. I literally, it looks so incredible. Like I wish I had known about this, like when I was in my journey, because I feel like I would have been like there in a second. I mean, I didn't have it then, you know, so (laughs) it's like, we're creating, we're creating the new world and, and really integrating what mental health will be in the future and for our future generations. So it's exciting, but that's, that's the whole, you know, that's my whole life in a, I don't know, 15, 20 minute story. That is incredible and so beautiful. And thank you so much for sharing all of that. And I know you've done it before, um, but it it still like requires that level of vulnerability. I think that is just so beautiful to watch and for other people to witness that it's okay to like talk about all of these things that you've gone through. The funny thing is that when I was working as a therapist, I would see all kinds of people from all different backgrounds and everybody had like mirrored wounding. It doesn't matter like how much money you had or where you lived or who your friends were or where, where you're from or whatever, whatever. At the end of the day, everybody just wants to be loved. People just want to be seen for who they truly are, valued and validated. And if we can understand that at our core, that's all each of us really wants is to be accepted and loved then we can like get away all the other bullshit, kind of like push it all aside and say, okay, so what's really happening here? How do we get to that versus getting distracted from all the other kind of like supplementary problems that occur because, you know, we are not loving ourselves or learning how to love each other correctly or Mm -hmm. learning how to do that deep inner exploration of self-forgiveness and exploring our shadows and the things that we feel make us unlovable. Um, yeah, it's it's really it's fascinating and that, you know, this is such I think for me, I like people know from my story, I've gone through my own traumas like and I'm not going to go into it now, but that we all have experiences that really deeply hurt us and that we will all experience pain and shame and guilt and feelings that feel gross and we'll all experience being rejected and we have to really not ignore those moments because they're painful, but really look and heal and see, okay, is this something that I am now internalizing to create a meaning around myself or aspects of myself that they're bad? Like, let me not do that. (laughs) And let me really just understand that the shadow parts of myself that I've been told are rejectable, unlovable, they make me unworthy, or they make me a bad person that they're all still part of you and you are as a whole lovable, but it it does mean taking self-responsibility and peeling back the veil and really looking, okay, like, let me just look at my shadows so I don't spill my stuff onto everybody else, but let me not like hurt myself about it or criticize. Let me look at it with kind of the all loving mother presence, this kind of all loving, all nurturing, all forgiving, like, okay, let's just, let's just integrate, you know, and come from a place of, like, how can we make this empower us versus disempower? Yeah, totally. And man, the, the layers of the onion are deep, you know, because you say like everybody just wants to be loved. And what's so crazy about that and what's so crazy about truth and how relative truth is, is like, yes, everybody wants to be loved. But some people's truth is that they want to be loved so bad and they're so scarce that they have created stories around why they don't want to be loved. Mm. And it's almost like it's almost like the kid who is like, I don't hug. And it's because they're so afraid of what it would feel like to feel that love in that moment. And if they can't ever have it again, they'd rather just not feel it at all. And I feel like, you know, that's what we're looking at when we're looking at like darkness and like a shadow is like something that can't even admit how much it wants love. 
Um, and that's, that's hard. And that comes up a lot in like medicine journeys, right? Is, is you realizing that, you know, all these things that you've protected yourself by saying like, Oh, you know, my, my biggest thing is like saying that I don't want this like kind of traditional, beautiful relationship with a man that's like, you know, I, I've told myself for years, like, I don't really want to get married. And whether or not that's true, I don't know. But when you say something like, I absolutely don't want to get married, that's just not for me. Like, I, I will never do that. It's like, where's that energy coming from? You know what I mean? Is that the abundant energy that's like, I don't know, maybe I'll get married, maybe I won't get married. Like, it's up in the air, whatever my heart feels, you know? But when you start making those statements of like, what it is that you want or don't want, it's, you know, just being able to have awareness over the, the energy pulls and the polarities that you're sitting on. You know, I'm always kind of listening. Um, I think one of the things that I do really well when I'm coaching is like, listening to what people are not saying. And you can sit there and I can listen to an entire sentence and like, for the most part, what people say is actually completely irrelevant for their healing journey because they're just saying things that their subconscious, like that their conscious mind identifies with and, and would like for that to be true. And that's not the truth at all. And so just being able to listen to a story or what somebody says and hear all the undercurrents of it, like that's, that's kind of the space that I, that I stay in. And then for myself, what are my own undercurrents, right? Mm, yeah. The undercurrents, the subtext, like what is really happening there? Oh my God. And there's so much power in that exploration. So much, you have so much more control. It feels like lighter, easier, better, breezier. I don't know. Like I don't attach to literally like anything, anything. <laughs> And it's in a, in a healthy way, meaning like, you know, I think we grab onto things out of, you know, these feelings that are live within us and we have emotional reactions and we do behaviors that aren't really great and we latch onto things because we think they're going to make us happier, they're going to make us better or heal us or whatever it is. And um, it's really like the, the, also the energy of learning how to let that go and like just ride with whatever comes up and be cognizant and try to be observant and then work with what comes into your awareness. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I mean, I can agree more. Yeah. Oh, that's so awesome. This is such, I love this stuff. And I think one of the things um, that my audience in particular, the cool, amazing light leaders who are listening to this, I think one of the things that they struggle with the most is um, feeling like their shadows make them imposters and that become, right? I've totally gone through this. I'm sure you have too. The idea that, oh my God, I've gone through so much shit in my life. I have fucked up so many times. Um, yeah. I've done things that aren't great, whatever, um, that I'm not, I can't be a facilitator for healing. I can't share, even though I've done all this work and I'm getting better and I'm seeing the results and I want to help and I want to serve and help other people or uplift the world in some way. I'm not ready. I'm never going to be ready. I'm not good enough. I'm not worthy because I have these experiences in my life that haven't been perfect or I've experienced pain or I've done some things that are bad. So um, I was wondering if you can speak to any of that kind of, I guess, imposter syndrome that's born out of the shadows that we hold and the experiences yeah. that have been tough. Yeah. The true imposter syndrome is somebody speaking about something that they actually have never been through. And the best example that I know of is like a lot of reasons why millennials and these younger generations don't go to church. And that's because if you go to your pastor and you say, pastor, I'm struggling with a sex addiction and that pastor can't either one be in truth about what they struggle with or they've never struggled with it. And then they begin to give you advice and tell you that there's healing in these certain places when they haven't been in those places before. That to me is imposter syndrome, you know? Mm -hmm. And for me, um, you know, I've been through sexual trauma 
so I can speak on that, but I haven't been through sexual trauma from like a parent. And so if somebody's going to come and like ask me advice about certain things specifically, like I, I tell people all the time, like, I don't know. And you're never an imposter if you can say, I don't know. Yes. Um, oh my God. Yes. Yeah. And so it's like, it's like, what, where's your metric? And then two people, I mean, if you're in the coaching space, you need to get super clear on your integrity. You need to get super clear on where you are and aren't going to cross lines. And one of the hardest things is like, you will have clients come to you that want things from you that you do not really provide. And they want you to be a one-stop shop. And if you, if you allow yourself to overextend and be the thing that you're not really embodying, you're always going to feel that energy. And so one, the energy is there that that imposter energy is there as a metric. It's there to remind you of your center and your base. Mm. Right. So for me, I feel super comfortable talking about relationships and self healing. Like I feel like you could put me on any panel, any kind of hot seat coaching scenario. You could put me next to the holistic psychologist. You could put me next to somebody. And I feel like I would be able to be in the conversation and I would be able to learn so much in the conversation and provide so much context in the conversation. And I think like if I'm, if I'm in a space where I don't feel like I can learn, that's a weird space for your ego to be in because I learn from my clients every single day. And oh, totally. Yeah. And it's like, are, you're not an imposter if you're constantly learning and constantly checking in with your center and constantly like, having a metric where you can measure that. And so the imposter energy, when it shows up, the first thing is to greet it like a friend the same way. Like one of the things I always talk about is keeping pillars in your community of people who are not fans uh, because your fans are not your friends and they will never be your friends. Somebody who thinks you are so great and thinks that you hung the moon and it doesn't matter what you do. They're going to find a way for that moon to be hung. That's not your friend. And that's not somebody that can be in your inner circle. And this is really hard because Nobody wants to be in their inner circle that's constantly talking shit about them. And the person in my inner circle that I, I see this with the most is um, like the person who is always calling me out that I butt heads with the most is the person that I'm always doing calls with. And his name is Dr. Bo. Dr. Bo knows this is Instagram. Dr. Bo, check him out. And also I uh, hope he's, he's listening. He's <laughs> he won't listen to this, but he's um, but he's one of my best friends. And, you know, one of the biggest fights, I, I remember one time him being like, you know, I'm a storyteller and sometimes storytelling comes with exaggeration and you're moving energy, right? You're captivating. And I remember telling a story one time and it was probably something stupid. Like, and I was on my fifth cup of coffee and he was like, Whoa, were you really on your fifth cup of coffee? I just don't feel like what's the point of exaggerating. And he like goes off and I'm just like, I'm just in the middle of an innocent story, Bo. He's like, Oh, it's innocent until it's not, you know? And, and it's like, he constantly keeps me in this space of like reminding myself of like when I'm going a little too far, or like if he doesn't agree with something. And I love when he doesn't agree with something because no, there's almost nobody else in my life that's going to talk shit to me, everybody else. And, and do it in like a loving conscious way of like, listen, if that's your truth, that's your truth. But I just want to bring up the point of like, I felt something different from you and I know you really well. And I just feel like that was a little bit outside of your integrity. And if I get, if I take that really personal and I'm like, fuck you, I can't be with anybody who challenges my integrity. That's not integrity, right? Mm -hmm. So like having pillars around you and people around you that just remind you of where you come from and who you are. And a lot of spiritual leaders, they don't like that because they don't want anybody to see their dirt. And so for me, one of the pieces of my integrity is to always know there's dirt. Just always, there's always, always going to be dirt. And to always allow people around me to see that dirt, one, so that it can be more relatable, right? So like my clients never feel like I'm something that they can't be. It's just not even really like that. Um, in my mastermind, I had a girl come 
in person one time when I hosted a moon ceremony that was virtual and she was just a couple hours away. She's like, can I drive and like, just come see how you do it? I was like, totally. She got there and she was like, I'm just, I'm just blown away. I, I don't know what I was imagining, but you having your computer on like a dirty table outside propped up on books was not what I was expecting. And it's just so dope to see you running this, you know, expansive, incredible mastermind on a dirty table with some books. And it was like, yeah, like, what did you think that I was doing? Like, did you think I had a waterfall behind me? And like, somebody <laughs> had done my hair? Like, <laughs> oh, and, but the perceptions from the outside, right? And to always keep ourselves in check with understanding how we perceive ourselves, how we want the outside world to perceive us. Is that detrimental for the people that we're trying to impact? Are we allowing people to create a persona for us that will break or will not, um, we won't be able to change our minds? And, mm. and so for me, one of the things that, when I struggle, and this is kind of like, sorry, a layered cake that I'm just trying to- No, to, I'm like uh, loving all of yeah, this. Yeah, <laughs> to help package it. But one of the ways that you can be in your imposter syndrome is greeting it like an old friend that is there to remind you where you came from. And the other thing is, I feel like having that type of like energy around me is also a reminder for what I need to teach my community about. Because for me, if if I need to be able to make mistakes, say the wrong thing and change my mind, I must teach my community that it's okay for them to make mistakes to change their mind. And so how can you shift your content and what you're sharing with the people that you're sharing with to allow more flexibility and, you know, more expanse growth and expansion for yourself and for them. And they become that mirror for you, right? Like if you want your partner to be a compassionate mirror for you, like be a compassionate mirror for them. Um, so yeah, the imposter syndrome thing is, is interesting. It's not going anywhere. Um, and I think that it's, it's a blessing for sure. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. And I think I felt my most imposter when I was training as a therapist in the very, very beginning. And I was not doing anything that I was telling my clients to do. Um, and I was going, I was like going to see my clients and I was helping them and I was doing really great work with them. But at the end of the day, I was going home and this is back when I was drinking alcohol, but I would drink like a bottle of wine to go to bed because like, that's how I zoned out and tuned out and it was not healthy and it did not lead to good things for me. Um, and that, and then when I would go back to my clients and say, you know, have you tried meditating? <laughs> Not meditating. I was like, I feel like a farce. Well, um, I mean, you yeah. will. You're going to feel like shit if you're doing yeah. it for good yeah. reason. Because what, and so the content is not like if, if you're in a space where you're drinking a bottle of wine to go to sleep every night as a healer, the space of content is not to be telling people to do things you're not doing. It's to be sharing with people why you don't feel like you're able to do it and what you're doing to actively work towards being able to get to that space. Mm -hmm. And so for me, like I definitely never pretend like I'm not sometimes a crazy girlfriend, you know, like I talk about this and joke about this all the time. Uh, it's not super easy to be in a relationship with me. I have this wounding that needs to be the most important person in your life. And it's very much like, <laughs> I you know, that. I see my forms of manipulation slip in and slip out. I'm a relationship coach though. I can tell you how to have a bomb ass relationship and simultaneously tell you, listen, this is how I show up and it sucks sometimes for my partner and this is how I'm actively working on it. And this is also how sometimes I give myself a break because I'm exhausted. Oh, totally. You know? and, and like that, that's, that's the truth of it. Like I don't tell people that I like when, when you're, when you're jealous, don't project on your partner. It's like, no, when I'm jealous, I definitely project on my partner. I don't know the last time that I didn't project. And now the varying degrees of projection, that's, that's really more truth than being like, 
it's never black or white. You didn't, you did, or you didn't, right? It's like Mm -hmm. you did meditate or you did not That's those things aren't true. It's like, Mm -hmm. if you were thinking about meditating, you were still in the creative process of trying to figure out how to get to this space that you know you're supposed to be in. And that, that fluidity in between, or if it's not fluid, being able to address how unfluid it is and being like, Oh, I'm so in my masculine. I feel like as a coach, if I'm not able to either do it or, or I don't do it, then it's just, it's black or white. You know what I mean? Yeah. There's not a lot of room for like compassion and holding space when you're in that masculine. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I would say, um, if you're, if you're, if you're a coach and you're telling people to do something that you're not doing, I would definitely suggest for your own well-being to take a step back and to figure mm-hmm. out what, what is it about that content that you feel like is the most valuable for your client yet somehow you're not able to attach to it yourself. And is there something that you could embody more of that would actually be more helpful for people? Cause I truly believe we are not, we are here to, it's like, it's like, have you ever just had like an organic conversation with someone and they're like, Oh my God, like you tell them the fuck most fucked up stuff about yourself. And you're just like, I don't know why I told you that. And they're like, thank you so much. That was exactly what I needed to all hear. the time. Too much. Yeah. <laughs> have you, when you think back to the moments where somebody was asking you and they needed help and you were completely in a projection of something you weren't doing. And you're like, just meditate. And you give them all this information. Don't you notice how it's received so differently? It's a frequency. Yeah. And their, their frequency is like, I'm hearing what you're saying and it sounds really good, but the frequency I'm getting from you doesn't match the frequency of what you're telling me to do. Well, it almost feels like you're, you're throwing it at a brick wall and it's like sliding off. It doesn't feel like there's a, like a real, I don't know, like, th- like you're saying that alchemical energetic yeah. connection. Yeah. People can feel embodiment. So mm-hmm. if you're not embodied right now, I think it's like one, detach from the idea of what you're supposed to be teaching people. You're supposed to be teaching people the things that you deeply resonate with and understand. That is your fucking medicine. What you have to share with the world is what you are struggling with in your own, like internally, like what it is that I go through every single day. That right there, and that's what makes a good coach. And you can be a good coach if you're an hour ahead of someone or two you know, years ahead of someone. It doesn't actually matter. It's what you had that resonance of that you were able to create a language that somebody else needed and they couldn't find that language anywhere else. People can find the language of meditation all over the place. You're not unique if you're telling people to meditate. If you're telling people how you get into your meditation after you drink a bottle of wine all night long and you're fucking beating yourself up and all the archetypes inside your head are just destroying you and you're sitting in a puddle of judgment and you have to get up seven different times to drink a cup of tea and just get back down on the ground and you just end up crying, that story is going to impact people so much more than your intelligence of like, Joe, Dr. Joe Dispenza's meditation and how, you know, it's changed your life and all the books that you have to read. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Ah, oh, this is so fucking powerful and true. And like, I'm so glad you bring that up. It's a hundred percent accurate. And, um, the energy that you, if you're a coach um, or a service provider, that energy that you of embodiment that you bring is like a thousand times more transformational than any workbook exercise or meditation track or little gimmicky goody thingy you give to your client for homework. The actual being able to be that mirror to be like, look, I am ex- fully accepting myself. I'll take responsibility when I fuck up. I'm not attaching that to my identity. Things happen. Like you said, there's always dirt. Like I love that. Um, it reminds me so much of when I first started studying Buddhism and I learned the, uh, the tale of Siddhartha and like how he kind of got, became the Buddha. And like this idea that there is always going to be suffering and pain. There's always going to, that it's never, we're never going to reach a place where there's 
perfection and ease and total, total like happiness. Like there's, and it's just, it's messy. And the more that we can live in that messiness and say, it's okay, I'm okay, things will be okay. It's cool to be messy, we learn from this, let's just look at it like an FBI agent, secret detective, like what does this mean about me? And let's like understand it, but let's also like show people, like so that more people can feel empowered to stand in their own like messy truth. And I think that that's like where we're kind of at right now is that people are, now that we're kind of all kind of, I don't know, awakening to this consciousness it feels like at the same time, I feel like people are looking at each other like, oh my God, wait, you too? Like what? Oh my God, you had a fucked up childhood too? Like, oh my God, you do this too? And it's like, yes, like, yes, yes, yes. All of us are doing this now. Let's stop like pushing all this stuff away. Let's all fully embrace it, honor self-responsibility, you know, take responsibility for our own like shit and stand in that integrity. And if we do that, imposter syndrome can't exist. It just can't. The day that drug addicts, sex addicts, cheaters start becoming coaches and stepping into the role of like, let me tell you my story is the day that like that suppression starts to to die. And that suppression is what is so nasty. Like, let me just tell you something. I will be friends all day long with somebody when I know how their shadow moves because they were the first person to tell me. But if you won't tell me how your shadow moves and I have to watch it creepy crawly around a room and you don't want anyone to address it, I don't want you anywhere near me. I don't want you near me in a medicine space. I don't want you near me when I'm on alcohol. I don't want you near my children. You know what I mean? So it's like, that's that, that feeling of, it's not that I think your shadow is ugly. It's that you not addressing it and you letting it creep around this room and you having no control over it and it coming out in these weird little spurts that you're not even aware of in your vocabulary, in your energy, how you touch another person. Like for me, like, no, thank you. I don't trust her. It's (laughs) super dangerous. It's super, super dangerous. And that's what I, you know, like I'm always sharing with people is like, you know, when you're the whole stranger danger thing is like, I'm not going to teach my children to like not speak to strangers. I'm going to teach my children that if somebody feels creepy to you, including your uncle, like you are welcome to, you know, speak up and let me know. And for me, if I like when I have friends who are just like all love and light, like those are the people I trust the least. I do not trust <laughs> 100%. Somebody. I'm like, what, where, what, what are you on yeah, right now? Every like, single time I talk to you, every single thing's great and you're great and your girlfriend just you know, left you for another guy and you're just so happy for her and you just all love and light. And I'm like, I'm really worried. (laughs) I'm I'm worried. Yeah. Like those people snap, you know, and it's not a judgment. It's just like, and maybe they don't, who knows, you know, maybe that's just me projecting. But it gets internalized. Like whether you snap now or snap in 10 years, like that pain, that experience, you can't swallow that. Yeah. Yeah. Like micro, you know, micro shadows or macro shadows, you know what I mean? And the, the shadow again, that's the scariest is the one that's been being fed in the dark that nobody's ever seen. And then all of a sudden, you know, 50 years later, it's massive versus the one that you've kind of brought it out. It's, you know, it's been culturally, like it's been, you know, dipped into society. Like I feel like this is, yeah, it makes me think of, and I don't know if this is like a terrible, terrible thing, but like, it makes me think of getting, I have three dogs. So it makes me think of dogs and like how, like you said, it's like creeping around the room and like, you don't trust me. Like, it's like, yes, you have to have control over your like man's best friend. And like, you know, if it has things that go wrong or it snaps or it bites, like, you know, when it's going to do that because another dog like is going to walk by. better for cats. Like, yeah, cats. maybe cats. <laughs> because you walk by and all of a sudden you see them swipe at you and you're like, mm-hmm. whoa. Like, they're, they're more unpredictable for sure. <laughs> yeah, but no, I, I get the analogy and I love it. 
Oh my God. That's yeah. And it's, it's really, really, it's, it's interesting. And I think, I hope that people listening are like encouraged to go journal and start to think about maybe their shadow that's creeping around a little bit that they've seen. And, and, you know, this is like, could be a repeating pattern, could be, um, you know, like emotional outbursts that happen. It could be the way you treat somebody else. It could be the very, very like heavy cynicism you have towards healers. It could be like that voice that comes up and goes, oh, this is so dumb. Um, You know, yeah. So like take a look and see like what are, maybe what are some things that you might want to take some responsibility over, you know, for your healing. And not everything has to be creepy. You know, some people just got people pleasing stuff moving around the room. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. (laughs) I I definitely, I'm definitely one of them. (laughs) I used to be like literally boundaryless and um, total people pleaser. And, uh, and yeah, that's definitely, definitely one of mine. That's funny that you picked, picked that up. Although it's, I feel very common for, um, for healing practitioners and, uh, light leaders is that we do like to people please. <laughs> we do like to, cause we do like to make people happy, but it could be dangerous. Yeah. I, I don't really identify as much with the people pleasing wound, um, as much as I do the controlling wound like mm-hmm. across the board. Um, I, I'm at, in my younger years, out of all the people that I know in my life am one of the most controlling people um, from my past. And the amount of work I've had to do on that, it's less about me allowing people to overstep boundaries and me learning how to not overstep other people's boundaries, which has been a very, very dark shadow. I definitely feel like, um, like I'm the person who has like those darker shadows that exist that I've really like done a pretty good job of laying them out on the table and being like, damn, this is crazy. Like who would have known? Actually, everyone knew I was the only one that didn't know. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And, um, and it's hard, you know, when people tell stories about you and and you have like, you know, if you're that person that doesn't really have any friends and you're just like, everyone spread rumors about me, like everyone talks shit about me. I can't trust anybody. Yeah. You know, look at that. Um, Mm. and at what everybody's saying about you and understand whether or not what they're saying is accurate is you wouldn't even know because you don't know why, you know, what it is that's, that's moving around that would have allowed them to perceive you in that way to begin with. And that's where the healing journey really starts is just being able to kind of be neutral and look at everything. Like, you know, it's, it's my favorite in a relationship or a friendship when I tell someone like, Hey, like, I don't know if you're going to resonate with this, but I'd love for you just to be open to it. This is something that I experience when I'm with you. And I don't know if this is my experience. And so it's my projection that I think you're doing this or if this is actually something that you're doing. But um, I just, I just feel called to like share it with you. And then if you swish it around and it resonates with you, um, great, it'll be really healing. And if not, then, you know, maybe it is a projection and I'll take it and I'll look at, you know, on my end, why I created that story about you. Um, in those relationships, like that's a conscious conversation, right? Because yeah. both people Oof. are going to grow. And the truth is, is both people probably have shadows moving because the shadow will attract another shadow so fast. And it's so funny watching, like once you start to do this work, like regularly, you'll start to see everyone's shadows. I don't know. I'm not sure about you, but for me, I start to see everyone enacting their things. And so it's kind of like, like a dual parallel processing of processing what's happening in the superficial 3D and like what's actually happening right now. And then processing like, in the 5d and like what is the shadow coming out what is like the layers and the subtext and the under underlying things that are happening here too and is it like because of what's happening in the 3d or is it because of like projection or pain or something else you know that doesn't belong here right now um and it's really funny i remember um like a couple of weeks ago uh my boyfriend went into the fridge 
he pulled out leftovers from the night before from our favorite pasta place and heated it up and started eating it. And I felt this like rage, <laughs> like pasta rage, uh, like come out of nowhere. And I was like so fast, like ready to be like, why are you eating the leftovers? Like, why aren't you sharing any with me? And then I, I caught myself, right? And I'm like, this is so bizarre. There's like, first of all, it was 100% his leftovers. Like, they were not mine. Like, I knew that. But I still had this reaction. I had to be like, oh my God, this is, this is my only child shit coming up. This is my, I want that. And I always get what I want. And I feel unloved when I don't get what I want coming up. And then I had, like, as it, the word vomit started to come up and I was about to say what I wanted to say to him, I open my mouth and I go, <laughs> this is so fucking funny. I'm like, I know you're eating the pasta because it's your pasta, but right now I'm having a very triggered reaction and I'm feeling very angry. And I think it's because I have this shadow from when I was an only child, but eat the pasta, enjoy it. I'm going to feel my feelings and I'm, I'll be right back. And I walked outside and I went for a walk and he came back in and he was like, are you okay? And I was like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know what I yeah, mean? That's, I mean, that, yeah. If you want to know what dating me is like, this, well, that was a story that I also could have shared. <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> Oh, I'm so glad I'm not alone. <laughs> no, not at all. I'm like, this is totally irrational. I'm just going to take myself out of the equation for five minutes. Yeah. Totally. Um, so it becomes like almost like a comedy show watching your shadow come out and be like, there it is. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I love it. In my mastermind, the couples that do it together, like they have such a good time, you know, it's hard when one couple does it or one person does it in a, in a relationship and the other person is like, no, no, thank you. Um, you know, I've had been in relationships before where my person, the person was like, you have such an ego, but like, they didn't believe they had an ego, you know, and mm. that becomes hard because one of the things that I see come up with that is like, I deeply want to admit what I'm experiencing, but if I admit what I'm experiencing and I know that you won't be able to admit what you're experiencing, then I just feel like you'll have more ammo on me. And all you're going to say is like, well, I'm so glad you know that about yourself rather than like, mm. oh, well, let me share something about myself with you. So then I see like, you know, my ability to be vulnerable is conditional upon another person's ability to be vulnerable, which really isn't vulnerability because it's more of like a trade, tradesies, right? Mm -hmm. it's, like I hold uh, your secret, you hold my secret. And then there's still secrets. Yeah. <laughs> that's a wife swap. It's not yeah. the same as an open relationship <laughs> where you have to really work through it. It's swinging. Oh my God, I love that. That's, <laughs> that's amazing. That's going to be the, the, the soundbite for this episode. <laughs> yeah, <that's great. laughs> <laughs> oh my God. So many, so many amazing um, points that you're making here. So in your work, um, I'd love to talk about like this self-healer mastermind. I love that you have this. Like, what is, what is it all about? Like, what do you guys do? Um, I'm super, super curious. Yeah. So when is this podcast going to get released? This episode? Um, if I talk I about it correctly. Yeah, no. Um, so probably in the next month, I would say probably in three or four weeks. So okay, cool. yeah. So the deadline to get into this one um, is like pretty much September 1st. Um, okay. You can, you can still, there still might be some spots available in September, but I don't know, like the reason I have hesitancy talking about it is I'm very much a creator and I don't know that I will do another round of this mastermind specifically. I'm shifting okay. away from, I'll probably just turn this into a course for people to have access to at like a low price and just everybody will have access to the content. And I think I'm shifting and starting to move into a space where I'm going to be working like more with very specific ideal clients or other healers like that. Okay. Um, but the mastermind right now is really just based on all of the healing work that I did. And I kind of consolidated it and the books that I read and the journal entries and the practices that I had. And I put them in an organized order of like, if I was going to give somebody else my exact healing journey, how would I do it in an order that feels like it feeds into it itself? And so mm. what I do is I have it in four quarters. And the first quarter is all about 
really identifying your shadow. It's a lot of self-awareness. So the first month is about um, your, your wounding, how you identify with it, how it shows up in the world, how it shows up in relationships and your verbiage. The second month is like epigenetics and reprogramming your belief systems and understanding where they come from and how they affect your relationships as well. The third month is all about boundary work and boundaries for self-sovereignty. Um, and then we move into the second quarter, which is about becoming extremely intentional with everything you do and understanding the amount of energetic space that things take up in your life. So we're in that month right now with my first mastermind, which is all about, um, we're going through and we're closing loops right now. All the loops that they have open, the, the unfinished conversations, the, the mail that they haven't opened, you know, the, the boxes that they haven't sent back and returned. And it's just closing loops all over your house and all over your energy fields. And then we'll be moving into what it looks like to actually create space through certain practices like ice baths and, you know, Wim Hof breathing. And, um, and then we'll be doing a cord cutting ceremony. So I trained uh, and, and learned all about cord cutting for about five months. And that's amazing. Yeah. I'm like, what? Yeah. So <laughs> I love this. Cord cutting is definitely something I see myself teaching more of in the future. And it's really, it's very complex and extensive. So it's not something I can teach just in in one week or one month, but, um, I'm going to start laying the groundwork for it for my community for sure. And probably creating more content about it. Um, since it's something that I completely dove headfirst into and spent tons of time, like really understanding my own experience within it rather than just like the information, um, mm -hmm. and having my own unique experiences. And then I was also handed down some really cool cord cutting rituals from different healers, some three different healers. So um, that's part of that. And then we move into, I uh, have a really dope vision boarding course that helps people understand like how to really be super intentional with everything you do and just like walking that path of alignment and integrity. And then the third quarter is all about relationships, building and cultivating and attracting conscious relationships, conscious conflict resolution, going deeper within intimacy and relationships. And then the last quarter is, is really to help. Um, and this is probably where, you know, I'll start to make that shift is taking the entire year's worth of content and allowing people to really alchemize how they experienced it and creating like missions and values for how they want to use that information and how they want to take all the healing that they had and the self-awareness and then become their own healers, whether that's in their family or their community, or they want to create their own mastermind. And so mm -hmm. I help them alchemize and embody it. And then I teach them a little bit about how I built the mastermind. And I think Amanda is going to help a little bit with doing some of the like entrepreneurial archetype stuff. And oh my God, so good. <laughs> yeah. I think her and I are going to work together next year. And that's kind of why I'm not really sure if I'll, if I will launch another self healer mastermind and hold the same container I'm holding now. So if, you know, if anybody's listening and you are super interested in, as soon as you hear this podcast, please contact me. No, now that I've heard all of this, I'm literally going to be just, I'm sending this to my editor and I'm going to tell yeah. him to do it next week. <laughs> I no, seriously, like the people need this. This is incredible. That's yeah. so in depth. Yeah. And it's what, you know, I think the hardest part of creating a program like that is taking into account individual nuances of different people's stories and what they're going through. And you've beautifully created what sounds like just an all encompassing container that people really have so much freedom within that container mm -hmm. to work on whatever it is that they feel called to work on individually, but within a, a held, organized, contained way. Um, yeah. And that is so hard to do. Yeah. I'm this, yeah, I'm definitely gonna have this out before September 1st. It's been my favorite <laughs> thing I've ever done for sure. Um, I just know how I am with like, when I create things, I love to create things and I, and I will perfect them and make them so good. And then I kind of just don't ever want to do it again. I want to put it into like a course and like allow people just to have the information. But I would say definitely like it is the, it's the best bang for your buck to work with me. Um, pretty much like a one-on-one -on -one and then like small group container type things. Um, it's a, it's a great cost. Oh my know, God. It's going to be amazing. Everything about it is really dope. And that's why 
Um, I'm excited about it and I know it's going to fill up, but I am also don't, don't know that I will have quite the space for it. And, it, and if I did next year, like the cost of it would be so different, you know, just being able to grow my community and the type of people that are being attracted to it and the volume and like, you know, I'm building a business and I'm, I'm scaling really, really fast. I've um, almost doubled, you know, my follower count just in the last year wow. and trying to like understand what that means and what it looks like. And I'm not, anywhere close to being done writing content. I'm like just getting started. And so, um, yeah, it's, it's trying to prepare for it and have integrity of like contacting the people and saying like, this is your chance to like really work with me in a one-on-one -on -one container that you might not have in the future, or you might, I don't really know. That's why I'm, I'm sharing it with you now. And, um, yeah, all, overall, I know the right people will be attracted to it and, and nobody's really going to miss out. You can't really miss out, but I'm excited and I'm really honored to be able to just hold that space for my community. Oh, I can't, I love it. And then the one-to-one -one is going to be so special. And I totally believe that we really, the right people come to these different offerings at the perfect time, you know, and that whether it's not, whether it's like for the mastermind or the one-to-one -one or now or in a few months or, you know, for a, a thing that you're going to create that you don't know you're going to create yet. I love that you give yourself that, that breadth to just yes. meet yourself where you are. And, um, and, and guys, if you're starting your business and you're, or you're having running your business, be really open like this because you need to create from a place of truth, from a place of alignment, from a place of where you are, you're constantly evolving and growing. So what you create, what you teach is going to look different month to month, year to year. So, yeah. And if you hold on to just one way of doing it, because like you're afraid to just like be expanded, that's going to kill your business. Yeah. And that so, loops back yeah. to the imposter syndrome. That's when you're going to hit it so hard because you're going to realize you're now teaching something that used to be what you were embodying, but you've evolved. And now you're embodying something different and you're impassioned about what you're embodying now, but you're not speaking about that because you still think that you're tied to the things you were speaking about before. And you're afraid that people won't transition with you. Mm. And that's where burnout happens because you burn yourself out of the same loops when you're a, a constantly evolving human. Yeah. And I think this is where I really struggled actually at the beginning of this year. Um, I started to feel like, wow, I'm no longer in a space where I'm really in my healing journey that deeply. Like I've done it. I, things will come up where I do like maintenance, you know, like routine maintenance, um, when a pipe bursts or whatever. But, <laughs> but for the most part, I'm not living in that space every day, really working on journaling and meditating and morning routine routines and self-love affirmations and the stuff that I was doing in the beginning when I really created own therapy coaching. And I found like to when co around the time that COVID hit, I was really struggling with content, my voice. I couldn't create anything. I felt super inauthentic. I felt super impostery. And I'm like, well, this is weird. Like I've done this work. So it's not that I haven't done this work, but it was realizing I'm way no longer in that headspace and that I'm, I can't talk to those people anymore because in that way, because it's not where I am and that I've really moved to a place of like, I want to change the fucking world. I want to uplift leaders who are healers, who are come from a place that you and I come from, or we really embrace the shadow work and want to do something with, with, you know, healing or helping. Um, 
and make a much bigger impact. And like my mission is like expanded like tenfold because I see the power of social media, the internet, of connection, of mm-hmm. all the work that we do. And I'm like, we got to get out there. We got to do this. And so once I fully kind of accepted that and moved through the fear of like, I'm going to lose followers. I'm going to lose numbers. You know what I mean? That ego yeah. attachment to the numbers. I'm going to maybe get some pushback as I step into teaching more leadership and business versus mental health. Um, and trauma recovery. So yeah, but you got to think yeah. you've been teaching these people all this information and they're in the same place you are because of the information you taught them. They're fucking in the same place. They're like, yeah, you know what? I've done my healing journey. I'm feeling like I'm in maintenance. I'd love the next step. And you're like, no, I can't give that to you because I'm afraid if I do that, you're not ready to evolve with me. And it's mm. like, it's not true. Yes. You know what I mean? Like, it's not true. Like the people that are following you that took all that advice when you were in your deep embodiment, they're ready to level up with you and they're looking to you because you were the one that provided all these things. Like they trust you. And now when you move into your next, your next phase, like those people are, they're, they're, they're die hard you because you helped them so much, you know? So mm-hmm. I know that the people in my community that I've helped on their healing journey, when they're ready to step into their healer space, I'll be the first person that they come to mm-hmm. because they're, you know, that's, that's the way that it kind of works in like mentorship and like teachers and like friends and your friends are your teachers and your teachers are your friends. And, and that's how it works in the, in the conscious world. Mm, thank you for that. That is that is such a good perspective, such a, and, and something that I didn't like totally think about at all. Um, and that you know, it's so funny. My and that again, talking about shadow wounds, I talk a lot about my childhood bullying experience and how it was so deeply traumatizing. That you know, a big problem or something that I face a lot is often this fear of rejection, fear of abandonment. And so that abandonment, fear of rejection wound is like really activated in this transition of owning this new space and being, you know, like afraid to jump and own it. And so like once I did, the feedback has been 100% what you're talking about. I was shocked. I was like, oh, you guys don't like hate me that I'm like changing what I'm talking about and you're, this isn't totally not what you're looking for. And I've had so many people say, this is exactly what I've like been wanting. This is like where I am. And it's also where my clients are in their journey in terms of like at the end of each of their self-awakening journeys and healing journeys with me, they usually, like you said, realize their purpose or what they want to do and they want to create a career or a business around the work that they've been doing. Um, and so this is really speaking to that like later half of the process. So yeah, I think just you guys like honor where you are, like meet yourself where you are, be truthful to that. And then create from that space of I'm in a process of constant evolution and where I am right now, I'm going to speak to that. And then tomorrow I'll speak to where I am tomorrow and like, let that be okay. It's going to be amazing. Yeah. And if you find yourself where you can't do that, you know, it's maybe time to scale back a little bit and recognize like I've put myself in a situation where I don't like I've put, it's like I put myself in a, con- in a conventional monogamous container where I didn't even decide what roles I wanted to have with my partner. You've put yourself in a traditional container with business where you don't allow yourself to be the vast expansive soul that you are. And when you find yourself in that place, it's not, it's, you know, there's, it doesn't have to be burnout. It can be that you just need to understand how to like kind of open one of the walls to allow a little bit more room. Like that's what the boundaries are for. And so not to get too far ahead of yourself and that scarcity and that need to define yourself and identify with things and be a label and do all these things. Like just allow yourself to just kind of be in your ebb and flow. And if you recognize that that is what serves people the most, 
you know, it's very much like that, that Burning Man vibe. Like, what would you be doing for absolutely free if, if we lived in a world where money didn't exist? And you would just be living your best fucking life and sharing it with the people around you. And that mm-hmm. is honestly what your business should be if you're a coach. Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. Oh, I love that. I remember seeing a, um, I don't know if you've heard of the concept of Ikigai, which is like, um, so in Okinawa in Japan, it's a a blue zone. So everybody there is like lives to be, they're studied by scientists. They live to be really, 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 really old, um, extremely healthy. Their brains are like super healthy. Their bodies are super healthy. They're happy. They're fulfilled. Um, And they attribute that to what they call Ikigai, which is a really, really ancient concept of finding your soul's purpose. Um, And I was watching how they interpret that. There was a guy who loves Mount Fuji, old guy, fucking loves that mountain, lives for that mountain every day. It's like what he does. His ikigai is honoring Mount Fuji. So his whole life is he wakes up, he gets his easel, he goes outside and he paints paintings of Mount Fuji and he sells them and he makes lots of money. And he like lives in his joy. And that's the one thing that he's like, this brings me joy. It brings joy to the world. It brings art and beauty. And it makes me feel like I'm contributing. And like, it just like, that is Ikigai. And so you don't have to be like doing something crazy huge or like spectacularly special or different or like breaking the paradigm. Like you can paint pictures of Mount Fuji and change the world that way too. (laughs) Love that, guy. Dope. Thanks for telling me that. Yeah, I, I totally love it. It's a process too. Like you can go online and Google it and there's a couple, it'll ask you to fill out a couple of questions. There's a Venn diagram and it'll really help you kind of pinpoint a couple of areas that if you're not sure what you want to do, you may feel like that's where your soul is taking you. So yeah, check it out. Um, so tell us um, where we can find you. Oh no, before I forget, I didn't ask you this in the beginning and I always ask my guests this. Um, so I'd love to hear your answer. What makes you feel like you're in your most light leader self? Hmm. When I'm on mushrooms. <laughs> yes. There's no, I mean, I can, I can package that answer up in this like beautiful divine way. But when I'm under the medicinal influence of psilocybin, I am so deeply in my grandmother energy that that energy that we talked about earlier, where I can almost be sitting around a table and seeing so many people from all walks of life. And I have reached the top of the mountain. And instead of looking down on people, I'm literally just looking and deep with deep compassion for the journey that I know people have ahead of them and where they are and wondering how I can support them in each space rather than judge them, you know, from the top. And I feel like I find that grandmother energy the most in ceremony space um, because I'm able just to tap into, you know, that, that all collective, all one mother feminine energy of like, like how can I just love you exactly where you're at with all your shadows? And, I, and the, the visual that I get is like think of a grandmother sitting around the table and her, or like even a great grandmother and like her daughter's there and her daughter's daughters are there and her daughter's kids are there and every one of them is in a different place. And some of them are screaming at each other and some of them are, you know, being assholes and, and, and you're watching your daughter parent in a way that maybe you wouldn't really parent and you're watching the trauma and how it's all passed down. And instead of being reactive to any of it, you just feel so much unconditional love and gratefulness that everybody can be together and that everybody has their own sovereignty and their own sovereign 
divine path that there's going to lead them to the space that you're sitting in. And then when you die, you will only be left, like you will just be leaving unconditional love for them to wash themselves in. So that's the energy that I experience when I am on psilocybin. And mm. uh, it's my favorite energy in the whole wide world. And I don't, I don't do it very often because oh, the amount of work that it takes during a journey to get to that space at the end for that last hour, you know, is intense. Um, it feels like I just climbed up the mountain and now I'm looking down and I'm like, yeah, you know, um, but that, that's definitely the, the vibe for me. Oh my God. I just like, I feel like that touched my, my core somewhere really deep. That is awesome. Um, I do. I seriously just like talking with you. I just feel like you're such a just light being and it's so strong and I'm sure you get that all the time. Um, and so I'm so grateful that you're here and that you're doing the work that you're doing. We need this kind of work out there and this kind of way of thinking and approaching mental health and whole body wellness and self-actualization. And, you know, we need to shift so much of the, of the things that we're thinking about how we are supposed to be, if we're going to really evolve as a species. Um, and, you know, hopefully through that evolution, save the planet, save each other and <laughs> create societies that are just, um, not based in oppression and pain, but really an empowerment and um, strength and uplifting and community. So it starts with us doing the work for ourselves. It starts with us cracking ourselves open and finding compassion for our own imposter syndrome and shadows and pain and mistakes and things that we've done and, and taking that responsibility of saying, okay, instead of feeling terrible and holding on to these things and internalizing them, I'm going to work through them because then I can be a better friend, a better partner, a better, you know, a human being, fellow planet, human being. Um, and, and that's so important and better to yourself. You know, you can just be so much better to yourself. So it starts with, it starts with doing the work. So you guys like go check her out one-to-one -one mastermind, like DM Instagram, <laughs> like your email list. Um, she's just Instagram has so much going on. Great to reach me. I'm very simple. I like to keep it easy. So Instagram mm -hmm. definitely. Um, and then my website for my platform where I host a lot of things is the alpasproject.com and alpas is A-L-P-A-S. Oh my God. Amazing. And we're going to, and what's your handle on Instagram? We'll put everything in the show notes as well. My first and last name, Adrian Ellison. Amazing. Uh, thank you so much for having this conversation with me today and being open to coming onto the podcast. I really do admire the work you do so much and I love following you on Instagram. <laughs> um, and I'm sure we will meet in real life at some point when things open up. Definitely. Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate it. And I look forward to connecting with your community. Awesome. Thanks. Have a good day. All right, guys. Thank you guys so much for joining me for another episode of the Conscious Leadership Podcast. I am so, so, so excited that you're here and that we are growing together. If there was anything that you took away from today's episode, I would love to hear about it. Take a screenshot, tag me with what you took away, and we will repost you. And if you are interested in leaving us a review on iTunes, we are going to give you a free copy of my Subconscious Reprogramming Workbook. It is an incredible workbook that 
that helps you work through all of the deep programming that happened during childhood that might be holding you back in your life today. So super, super valuable. This is a $75 workbook. I am willing to just send it to you for free because I would love to hear your feedback on iTunes reviews. So shoot us a review, take a screenshot and DM us with a screenshot of your review and we will send you a free copy. The Light Leader Community Calls are also up and running. I'm so excited to be providing a completely free space for all of you guys to come connect, learn, grow, and step into your light leadership. These calls are every other Thursday at 5 p.m. Pacific, 8 p.m. Eastern, and I will be dropping the Zoom link in my emails for my email list. So if you are not already on the email list, head on over to my page at om underscore therapy underscore coaching on Instagram and click the link in my bio to sign up for the email list. You will be on the list for all of these community calls. You can pop in whenever you'd like, ask us questions, and we'll also be providing trainings to help you do all the deep inner work to step into your leadership and also the practical stuff to help you set up a business. It's going to be amazing. So come join us for that. The first call is going to be this Thursday, August 20th, and every other Thursday moving forward. And lastly, we have the OLA Ignite program. Yes, this is going to be launching its second round 2.0 coming up September 1st. So September 1st, we're opening the doors for enrollment and October 1st, we begin the next round. So I'm super excited. All of my light leaders who went through this round just found tremendous success, financial freedom, personal freedom, confidence, and they're just changing the world in such unique ways that are so aligned with who they are as human beings and as soul leaders that it's just amazing to watch it happen. And I'm just so excited to provide this container and support for you. There are going to be guest coaches, own specific co-coaches, me, a 12-week online course, group calls twice a month, one-to-one call support, and it's just a constant, constant hype up. So come join us if you are a female light leader. I am calling on you to join our community. So we launch enrollment September 1st. Keep an eye out and we will keep you updated with all the latest. Thank you again for joining me. I am so happy to connect with you and keep coming back and letting your powerful light leader shine. We love you, we see you, we need you, and we honor you.